0: sitting on the couch with my husband at 10 p.m. working of course on my laptop and I felt a pop in the back of my head and it kind of fizzled out kind of like the sound like a firework makes and so I knew something was wrong and I tried to tell my husband that something was wrong with that moment and I realized that I couldn't move and I couldn't speak at all. And it was only about 10 seconds, but when you don't know what's going on 10 seconds, is a really, really long time. And so I ended up being able to throw my laptop off of my lap after about 10 seconds. And he was like, you know, why are you throwing your Mac off your off your lap? But when I tried to tell him, none of my words were coming out correctly at all. I actually had a non-stop headache for five days before my stroke. And honestly, I really just thought I was being sleep deprived. I assumed that it was because I was working too hard and not resting enough. But the day of my stroke actually left work early because my headache was just too unbearable. I went into the emergency room and they asked me to put in my social security number and I looked at the keypad and I realized that I did not know what numbers were anymore. So not only could I not remember my social, I didn't know what the numbers were on the keypad. I would say just be patient with yourself. You have to learn to celebrate the small things and it was frustrating and it was a long, long road. but you know, you either get better or you get bitter. And it's so hard to not be bitter sometimes when everything that you know has been taken away from you and you're just trying to navigate life. But I I find that sometimes that if you just take a deep breath and enjoy the small things, you'll find yourself getting a lot better than bitter.
1: Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In America, strokes in young adults represent about 10 to 15% of all strokes. Between 1993 and 2015, strokes for adults aged 20 to 44 in America increased from 17 to 28 per 100,000. In this episode, we'll hear from Jerry Ward from Dayton, Ohio who suffered a stroke at the age of 30.
0: I was actually an avid social worker and community advocate when I had my stroke. I was constantly busy, working all the time, working crazy hours, just trying to keep kids alive and safe. And at the time, I I truly wasn't taking the best care of myself because I was so focused on caring for everyone and everything else that I kind of let my own health go by the wayside. I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was getting enough exercise and eating well. But the problem is, is that I was neglecting my sleep. I was neglecting my own self-care. And I think that that just kind of tidal waved onto me not taking good enough care of myself. and, And my body really ended up showing that. Working as a social worker in my area was stressful because I was the person who was responsible for removing kids or taking permanent custody of kids away from their parents. So that kind of stress was pretty intense. I was never able to really turn that stress off. I was sitting on the couch with my husband um, at 10 p.m., working, of course, on my laptop, and I felt a pop in the back of my head. And it kind of fizzled out, kind of like the sound like a firework makes. And so... I knew something was wrong and I tried to tell my husband that something was wrong with that moment. And I realized that I couldn't move and I couldn't speak at all. And it was only about 10 seconds. But when you don't know what's going on, 10 seconds is a really, really long time. And so I ended up being able to throw my laptop off of my lap after about 10 seconds. And he was like, you know, why are you throwing your Mac off your off your lap? But when I tried to tell him None of my words were coming out correctly at all. And so I ended up saying a bunch of random words that didn't make any sense, but I was finally able to say hospital. And at that point, I think we both knew something was very, very wrong. I actually had a nonstop headache for five days before my stroke. And honestly, I really just thought I was being sleep deprived. I assumed that it was because I was working too hard and not resting enough. But the day of my stroke I actually left work early because my headache was just too unbearable. And I came home to rest. But by 10 p.m., my headache was feeling a lot better. But obviously, my body had something different in store for me despite my headache being gone. We didn't realize what was going on. Honestly, I had no idea what the signs and symptoms of a stroke were. And so he drove me to the ER. I went into the emergency room and they asked me to put in my social security number. And I looked at the keypad and I realized that I did not know what numbers were anymore. So not only could I not remember my social, I didn't know what the numbers were on the keypad. And I think they, they could tell that something was really, really wrong at that point. So they actually took me back Without the information, my blood pressure was deathly low and they were like, we got to get her into the CT scans. So after the CT scan, they realized that I had several clots in my brain, also my carotid artery. And at that point in time, I was just ready to get this fixed. And they told me that I was having a stroke. And at that time, I was like, let's, okay, let's fix it. Whatever we got to do. I don't think I've realized the severity during that time of of what a stroke really meant.
1: After discovering Jerry's stroke, doctors had to act fast.
0: I was whisked away into emergency brain surgery because of the clots in my brain. I had three clots in my brain, and I completely occluded carotid artery. Because of that, they went in and did a thrombectomy, but they could never get the blood clots out of any of my areas. And so my stroke worsened and worsened by the second, of course. And they were like, we're just going to have to see where she ends up. So I ended up living in the ICU for a long time. And I had five brain surgeries in that time as well to try to remove and try to repair the damage that had been done. But by that point, I had already lost the ability to speak, move, read, and write completely. So here I am, 30 years old, not able to do anything but lie in the ICU bed was pretty devastating and obviously unexpected. The damage had already been done. We realized that My carotid artery was never going to produce blood to the right side of my brain again because of how occluded it was. They actually said that it was dead at that point. And so I would never be able to utilize that artery. So they checked my brain perfusion and realized that I would be okay with the perfusion that I had. And so they just decided that any more work to try to unclog and fix things would be more damaged than good. So they just left everything as it was.
1: Following a series of unsuccessful surgeries, Jerry was in hospital for a month.
0: I actually did a neuro step down unit where I went through therapies and they kind of monitored me and make sure that I was okay after the ICU. And then from the nearest step-down unit, I actually went into speech and occupational therapy full-time. Um, obviously, I couldn't work because I couldn't speak or read or write or anything like that. And so therapy really became my full-time job at that point in time. That was an intense, intense six months. It was wonderful because every day I got to see a little glimpse of progress, but it's so hard when you have a full life and then in the blink of an eye, it's all gone and you're just trying to survive and work in writing letters and preschool workbooks. It really puts life into perspective for you. And during that time, you learn to celebrate the little things in life and, and just be so happy and in progress. Life sure does have a way of slowing you down. I had... The impact of constant anxiety and fear right after my stroke, I felt like my stroke was just so sudden and so unexpected that I realized that it could happen at any point in time again and that I was not prepared for that to happen again, that I couldn't take that mental and emotional blow again. Because of that, I suffered extreme PTSD and anxiety post-stroke because I was just so afraid that it would happen again at any point in time. I actually ended up going on anti-anxiety medication because I just could not handle the fear and the pressure of just waiting for that event to happen again. I think the internal and most emotional piece that really got to me was the appreciation for the small things in life and... I think sometimes that we look over so many so many things that we should be celebrating and so that emotional piece i still have with me today just learning to appreciate the small things and really slow down and enjoy life a little bit more
1: jerry was a busy and active 30 year old when her stroke hit and despite doctors being unable to remove the clots through surgery she continues to make a remarkable recovery. Coming up, Jerry on the importance of asking for help.
0: I had the largest support ever. And I believe that as a stroke survivor, support is absolutely everything because you go from knowing how to do everything and living a quote unquote normal life, just to having yourself basically. And that's it. Um, Everything that you know, everything that you're capable of doing is taken away. So so quickly.
1: And the Be Fast Challenge.
0: A person takes a picture of themselves in a running pose. So think of the running man. And then they share the Be Fast movement information, which obviously is B for balance, E for eyes, F for face, A for arm drooping, speech is S, and then T is time to call your emergency services. So they share that information. And it's so simple, but the fact that it's saving lives all over the world is pretty impactful.
1: Let's hear how Jerry has made a change in direction in how she lives her life.
0: I have gone back to work full-time, which I'm so appreciative of. I realized during my time off that I am not um, a person who can stay at home. I really have to go to work. And so I was much appreciative that I could go back to work full-time and be able to continue to change and save lives. I did have to switch career paths um, just to one that was a little less stressful than the one I was in, but I am back full time and I love it. I've also included meditation in my day almost every single day now to kind of help to um, start my day and end my day and manage that. Obviously, I do have disabilities based on my stroke, sensory processing disorder, dysarthria, praxia, aphasia, etc., but just trying to manage those and what my new life looks like. I realize that sometimes I'm not exactly who I used to be. I would say that I am a better but different version of who I used to be. And so really trying to manage those disorders and live a normal life because it's hard to live with invisible disabilities when people don't realize that you have them. And so just trying to educate and bring awareness to stroke and and the outcomes of stroke is is one of my main priorities now. I do feel less stressed because when you learn what's important in life and you learn how to manage what life throws at you.
1: Jerry also made it her mission to meet and to work with other stroke survivors.
0: I was told to Google local support groups, and there was one, and that local support group meeting age was around like 60, and I was 30. And so although I, you know, still gain a lot of information and help from those people and guidance, it's just not the same as someone being 30 years old and in your career and hustling and muscling versus someone who may be 60 years old. And so I really found a lack of resources available in my area, especially to support stroke survivors who are of younger ages during that time. So what I did was I actually became really good friends with my doctors and nurses within the ER and ICU. And I actually went back into the services a few different times to try to meet other stroke survivors in my area and help them through the progress. And then I also obviously saw a lot of different online support groups. And I ended up just Googling Like local stroke survivors to try to connect with them and and try to understand the situation better because I think life hits you differently when you're 30 and having a stroke and so it's very important to me to connect with other people.
1: Recently, Jerry became Mrs. Ohio.
0: I am Mrs. Ohio right now. And the reason is, is because I want to work on the platform of stroke awareness and education because I feel like I had no idea what the signs and symptoms of a stroke were at all until I had one. And we all know that seconds are everything when it comes to stroke. And so I was just trying to find a way to get my voice heard to ensure that I could educate others on stroke prevention and stroke awareness to save other people's lives. And so I became Mrs. Ohio to kind of have that platform. And to be able to impact and outreach to more people because people tend to listen to you more when you have a shiny hat on your head versus not. So that's what I'm doing now. And the sole purpose I'm doing it is to save other people's lives actually work with other stroke survivors. They work on my be fast challenge. Obviously be fast is the acronym for knowing the signs and symptoms of a stroke. And so I have people from all over the world participating in that challenge and, um, they're just so appreciative and the stroke survivors especially really want to participate because they know what it's like. They know that uncertainty and they know that fear. And so they're really willing to help and, and they love being involved. The Be Fast Challenge is actually a challenge that I created to impact social awareness of the signs and symptoms of a stroke. The Be Challenge is simply where a person takes a picture of themselves in a running pose. So think of the running man. And then they share the BFASH movement information, which obviously is B for balance, E for eyes, F for face, A for arm drooping, speech is S, and then T is time to call your emergency services. So they share that information And it's so simple, but the fact that it's saving lives all over the world is pretty impactful. Um, I think that message is something that people can read and remember, and it's easy to, when a crisis, just remember that one acronym, and it can really help to save lives. My immediate family is actually six and a half hours away from me, so luckily I had my husband and then, of course, my local friends. I had the largest support ever, and I believe that... As a stroke survivor, support is absolutely everything because you go from knowing how to do everything and living a quote unquote normal life just to having yourself basically. And that's it. Um, Everything that you know, everything that you're capable of doing is taken away so, so quickly. And so my friends and family locally were everything to me. My husband took off work and was able to drive me to and from my therapy services. My friends made a meal train for me and also for my husband and provided us meals every single day for a few months. And just those little changes really, really helped to get back to that sense of normalization, I would say. But even so, I think just being patient and being able to experience new things with myself because the world looks very different after a stroke and and it just feels good to kind of have that comfort and security blanket.
1: Jerry gives her advice to stroke survivors, loved ones and caregivers.
0: I think that for a stroke survivor, I would say just be patient with yourself. You have to learn to celebrate the small things and it was frustrating. I know it's a long, long road. But, you know, you either get better or you get bitter. And it's so hard to not be bitter sometimes when everything that you know has been taken away from you and you're just trying to navigate life. But I, I find that sometimes that if you just take a deep breath and enjoy the small things, you'll find yourself getting a lot better than bitter. And when it comes to loved ones um, and caretakers, that is the most important job of a stroke survivor's life is having that person who is the rock because there's so many things that are just so uncertain. And so having you there and you being a certain thing is everything. And, um, you know, we, we literally couldn't do it without you and, and without your stable and Um, solid nature and so just know that we're not able to say thank you a lot because sometimes we can't even speak but know that your job is much appreciated and um, you as a person for being a caring person is more than appreciated.
1: Jerry was active in her local community as a support worker before her stroke and has since become even more passionate about helping people and saving lives. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories.
0: My wife and family were visiting and they ran out to get lunch. I basically went to take a nap and I woke up and when my wife came back, she said something is wrong. I couldn't see because there, there was no mirror and I had no idea That my face was drooping and there were definitely signs, but even the staff was like, no, I don't think that's possible. Like, there's no way you're too young to have a stroke. While I was in the hospital, you know, nobody really caught it. They did run a CAT scan, but unfortunately, I was so big that they could not do an MRI immediately. So so it kind of went undetected until it was too late.
1: Please do subscribe to Stroke Stories on your preferred provider and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.